believe that the students are being treated unfairly by the school? Um, I just don't feel like the school is safe. School should be an environment where you should learn in peace, not to worry about gun violence. Putting down pencils and picking up placards. Dozens of young voices marching for action, demanding they be heard over the safety in their school. Good evening. We begin tonight with a dramatic scene involving students with York Memorial Collegiate. After weeks of reported violence in their hallways and troubling allegations against their educators, a large group of teens left their school today in protest and took their concerns to the top. CTV's Allison Hurst has been following this story and joins us tonight with the details. Allison. And those dozens of students who left the school, they went to a TDSB office nearby just up the road, and school board officials were there waiting, and they met them. They also spoke at the news conference, promising to listen. Marching to a nearby Toronto District School Board office, dozens of York Memorial students walked out of class. We, the students, are unsafe. Our school is not safe. Every day we live in constant fear of what will happen. Angry, fed up and scared, they lay out their experiences at school. There's not enough suspensions being made for students because the same students I see doing the wrong things at our school are still here. Personally, I have not had a teacher in my third and fourth period classes for over a week, meaning I have had not have, I have not have access to my education or learning materials. Instead, students are being labeled as the problem. If you experience racism every single day, you would be angry too. The TDSB's Director of Education was there to listen and heard that allegation. That's shocking and surprising, and that's why we need to speak to students to actually understand what their experience is, and then we can chart a course of action to deal with it. That is completely unacceptable. CTV News has spoken with a number of staff members at the school who claim teachers and administrators have been threatened, assaulted, and fear for their own safety. Uh, we have to decide on policing. You know, maybe the old way, I supported the old way of having the police in schools, but I realized that was controversial. The school board took it out. But is there a, a different way in which we can have police help to keep schools safe? Police in schools is not something this group wants to see back. With them, students brought a list of issues they want the TDSB to address. We have the strategies here. Are you going to listen? Education Director Colleen Russell Rollins accepted the list. Yes, we are going to listen. Yes, yes, we are going to conduct an investigation into what led to what you've experienced. First, our efforts are to try and correct all of the issues that you have addressed. The TDSB anticipates announcing a new principal and two new vice principals next week. One area where all sides seem to agree is that the problem started after amalgamation with George Harvey. The students repeatedly said today that they would like that to be reversed, but the TDSB says it's made a commitment to one school. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Allison. And CTV News Toronto has been following the story surrounding York Memorial for many weeks now. You can read more about it online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. The Premier was also asked today about the issue of violence in Toronto schools. He says the province does not have say over the local school boards, but also pointed to Ottawa for being part of the problem. All right, we don't have the clip there, but um, he... But we're going to move on to some other news now.
Elsewhere, the Toronto Humane Society says it has raised enough money to cover repairs and replace stolen property following a break-in at its River Street location Monday. Two people took rescue items and a van that was used to transport animals. The organization says a fundraiser launched Tuesday has now raised more than $100,000. The money will cover the cost of repairs, stolen property and increasing security measures. Police are still looking for the thieves. Police also in Scarborough tonight working to solve another troubling crime. They're looking for a man who they say attacked a child on a school playground. CTV's Janice Golding explains. Saint Michel is a small Catholic elementary school at Lawrence and Meadowvale. I felt shocked. And with just 200 students, word a man allegedly struck a six-year-old student through the school's fence spread quickly. I saw the girl. She told the teacher she was frozen in fear. The incident is said to have happened during Thursday morning recess. The school sent a letter to parents and guardians today writing, the individual lured the student by offering them candy. When the student approached to take the candy, he hit the child's cheek with his hand through the fence. The student shouted, which alerted a supervisor who scared away the suspect. We have to be extra cautious and teach our kids to be careful, but um, it's Toronto. I mean, I just moved here from the beaches, and the school over there also had an incident. You're always concerned you have three kids and something like this happens. It's, you know, it's a bit concerning. So for us, we just kind of reteach the lessons of, you know, not sort of interacting with people that we don't know. The school reported the incident to police and the board's director of education reassured parents and guardians that officers would increase patrols over the coming days while staff would be more vigilant during recess. Toronto police say they're looking for a man with a large build who was last seen wearing a red jacket and black pants fleeing northbound on Juanita. Janice Golding, CTV News. Financial stress during the festive season. How Canadians are coping with rising mortgage rates and inflation. That's just ahead. And a colorful scene at City Hall tonight. Here's a live look at Nathan Phillips Square and a very nice December evening to take in for the annual cavalcade of lights returning for the first time since the pandemic. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay. Well, Nathan, overall, the current conditions not too bad. Temperatures are on the mild side. We'll begin there with a look at uh, what it feels like outside right now. Uh, we had a warmer than normal day today overall here in the GTA. Factor in the wind chill, and it feels just a couple of degrees above the freezing mark, so keep that in mind. Winds are coming out of the south. The winds are going to be a big story for tomorrow. They're strengthening now, but a special weather statement is in effect because we could experience gusts around 80 kilometers per hour tomorrow. Not only that, but we have rain on the way here a look at the current satellite and radar. A few showers tonight, but not dampening any spirits. We are live here in Markham at the Pride of Canada Carousel, and I'm joined by Markham Mayor Frank Scarpitti. Thanks for having us tonight. Well, welcome, and thank you to Remington for opening up the Pride of uh, Canada Carousel. Thanks to Aaron Madar and the Trillium Lions Club. Of course, the Salvation Army. Uh, they're part and parcel of the Toy Mountain Drive, and CTV, of course. And I, I just want to invite all the people in the city of Markham to come by this carousel, enjoy the rides, absolutely free, 12 to 5 every Saturday and Sunday until December 18th. Come and have fun and let's see this toy mountain grow yes. here in the city of Markham. We are building a mountain of toys. We have so much fun to come in this hour. Thanks for joining us, Mayor Frank. I'll send it back inside to you for now. Lots coming up from the Pride of Canada Carousel.
Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks to both of you, actually. Controversy tonight over land where a GTA township had hoped to build a new hospital. It includes property that changed hands just before the province revealed it would be removed from the Greenbelt. As John Woodward reports, the news has officials calling for answers and police intervention. This land on the edge of Newmarket is within the province's Greenbelt, an area protected from development. This fall, King Township officials were excited to hear they may be able to build a new South Lake Regional Hospital there because the land was among several parcels that could be removed from the Greenbelt. All appeared to be lining up according to a Township Council resolution from early November, which said the landowner has made a commitment to provide the necessary lands for the South Lake Regional Health Center for a nominal fee. In a perfect world, I would have no problem with that. Like, Councillor Avia Eek said she was concerned when it was revealed the land in question was purchased for $80 million two months before the Greenbelt announcement, wondering if the hospital would come with a lot of other development. Is the province really going to do something good or is this just really a land grab and, and allowing the people who own those nice big chunks coming out of the green belt to go ahead and do what they otherwise would not be allowed to do. This is where we need some conversation and some clarification. Records show the buyer was a company connected to developer Rice Group. The company and its principal, Michael Rice, have given over $15,000 to the governing PC party. The opposition NDP has alleged in the legislature there were more than $500,000 in donations from the owners of all properties put together, asking for the Auditor General to investigate. The Green Party asked for the Integrity Commissioner to examine how the properties were picked. The PC government has said it is aiming to free up needed land for housing. Reached at a press conference Friday morning, Premier Doug Ford focused on the positives. Uh, South Lake is putting uh, together plans, submitting into the Ministry of Health, and that's one of our priorities. Folks, there's never been more money spent on infrastructure and hospitals in the history of this country, in the history of this province. We're spending over $40 billion, and that number's growing, on 50 sites across Ontario. On Friday, former Toronto Mayor David Miller wrote he believed the police should step in. Writing on Twitter, it is not possible to believe that these land speculators paid tens of millions for land that could not be developed without knowing the Greenbelt protections would be removed. CTV News asked the Ontario Provincial Police if they're investigating. We also asked Ontario's Attorney General if he's appointed a special prosecutor. As of our deadline, we haven't heard back. As for Eek, she believes there's no need to change the green belt, saying a hospital can legally be built there under the current rules. John Woodward, CTV News. The Greenbelt issue, just one of many the Ford government was forced to navigate through this week. One of the most contentious so far has been the province's new housing law, which had the attention of Ontario's mayors today. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us live now with more on that and the PC's last few days. Siobhan. Michelle, this has been a really busy week, one that might have strained the government's relationship with environmentalists, some public sector unions, and the mayors they're relying on to help them carry out their housing plan. I declare the motion it began with passage of Bill 23, legislation that cuts fees developers pay in the interest of building more homes. We've got a big problem, it's a crisis, and we need uh, all three levels of government doing their part. Municipal leaders say when it comes to collaboration... Bill 23 is not one of the shining star moments. Cities warn losing these fees will leave them short on cash and force them to contemplate cuts or tax hikes. Late in the week, the province assured cities there would be help. Keeping us whole means dollar for dollar, you give us that amount. 
so that we are not sacrificing any of the money we need to build complete communities. At a virtual meeting of the mayors of Ontario's biggest cities Friday, frustration at Queen's Park pointing to municipal reserves. For the government to suggest this is money that's just available to make up for money they took away from us to leave in the pockets of developers is, is, is ridiculous. Developers with ties to government have been at the centre of debate on opening parts of the Greenbelt to build homes. The Green Party leader wants the Integrity Commissioner to investigate whether developers were tipped off before buying what had been protected land. I think we need this investigation so we can restore trust from, with the people of this province. At first, the housing minister wouldn't explicitly say whether developers were told of coming Greenbelt changes. The next day... No. Kill that bill! Ontario's Superior Court said no to Bill 124, calling it unconstitutional after a challenge by 10 public sector unions. Now's not the time for appeal. Now is the time for redress. The government will appeal, but the Premier says they won't deploy the notwithstanding clause if that appeal doesn't go his way. No, I, I, I want to go through the process and, and uh, I always believe in treating people fairly. I am pleased to be here to present my 10th annual report. The Auditor General exposed poor planning on the COVID-19 vaccine rollout that led to millions of doses in the trash. No, it absolutely wasn't a waste of money because those particular clinics were for uh, focused individual uh, sectors. The government also knocked down criticism it isn't doing enough to protect the environment. Next week is the last week that MPPs will be at Queen's Park before a Christmas break, and the start will be interesting. On Monday morning, we'll learn whether QP members have voted in favour of a new contract. That's the one for 55,000 educational support workers. If they don't, it's back to the bargaining table. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Siobhan. Hockey Canada has released its first report tracking incidents of discrimination in the minor leagues it oversees. The organization says more than 900 documented or alleged incidents were recorded in the 2021-2022 season. 512 on-ice penalties were assessed over the year. They include insults related to race, religion, sexual orientation, and other identifiers. 415 complaints were investigated after the fact. Hockey Canada has committed to more transparency after a string of scandals over its handling of sexual assault allegations and payments to alleged victims. Stats Canada is out with its November jobs report as experts watch for signs the economy is slowing down. The country added around 10,000 jobs last month, down from nearly 110,000 in October. Canada's unemployment rate ticked down from 5.2 to 5.1 percent in November. Analysts say ongoing tightness in the labour market likely tees up another interest rate hike next week from the Bank of Canada. Here's CTV's Sean Leithong with how some families are coping with the rising cost of living. As interest rates have shot up, many Canadians with variable rate mortgages haven't seen their actual payments go up yet. It's a fixed payment, variable mortgage, so it's the same payment every week. Until this year, Luke Becker's mortgage payments were mostly going towards principal. After a 3.5% rise in rates, now it's mostly interest. It really went up really quick. Uh, it's a little frustrating, I guess, for us, it's like paying the mortgage. With variable rate mortgages, some lenders will simply extend the amortization period beyond a typical 25 years. That's creating concern, according to mortgage broker Jeff Mudrick. Uh, because our monthly payments haven't changed, the amortization has extended to 
uh, 35, 40, 45. I've seen as high as 53 year extended amortization right now, which is very scary. Staring down the possibility of another interest rate hike next week, there's a chance that even variable rate mortgages with a fixed payment will hit what's called the trigger rate. Your payments are no longer covering the interest portion of the mortgage. You must increase your payments. Paul Bagnell from BNN Bloomberg says at this point, conservative lending from Canadian banks and the mortgage stress test have helped hold off trigger rates. So while mortgage payments may go up... Nobody is forecasting a significant wave of mortgage defaults, people being forced out of their homes. So while mortgage holders appear to be withstanding the stress of rising interest rates so far, many Canadians are saying they're less optimistic about the overall economy. Despite today's jobs report showing an improvement in Canada's unemployment rate, a recent poll by Nanos Research says 86% of Canadians are saying it's somewhat likely there will be a recession. It's clear to see that the vast majority of Canadians are buckling up for a recession in 2023. So while there may be some belt tightening in 2023, Luke Becker says he's optimistic for when his renewal comes up in 2024. I can't see the rates going up too much more than they are right now, so I'd sign another variable. The next interest rate announcement from the Bank of Canada is expected December 7th. Sean Leethong, CTV News. National security officials say they're planning in advance for a possible repeat of the so-called Freedom Convoy protests. One of the organizers of the original protest has called on supporters to head to the nation's capital once again this February. A parliamentary committee heard that meetings have already been held to, quote, start looking at how we're going to respond. The parliamentary committee is studying the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act. It's a separate effort from the public inquiry, which will submit a final report in the new year. Canada is imposing more sanctions on Iran. Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie says the step comes in response to crackdowns on anti-regime protesters. Four more Iranians and five entities will be added to the growing sanctions list. The ongoing protests were sparked by the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini in the custody of Iran's morality police. A U.S. judge has officially dismissed all charges against Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou. The move comes four years after her arrest in Canada on a U.S. warrant for fraud charges. She was free from custody in Vancouver as part of a deal last year, days before Beijing released Canadians Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. Prosecutors say Meng had not violated the terms of her deferred prosecution agreement, which meant the charges could be dropped. The U.S. and Russia are pouring cold water on the idea of bilateral talks to resolve the conflict in Ukraine. The Kremlin said today Vladimir Putin is open to a diplomatic solution after launching the invasion in February. But it said he won't sit down for talks unless Washington recognizes Moscow's annexation of several Ukrainian territories. Yesterday, U.S. President Joe Biden said he was willing to talk with Putin, but only if he demonstrates he's actually interested in ending the war. Meanwhile, today, investigators from the United Nations say they're probing whether Russian attacks on Ukraine's infrastructure amount to war crimes. Moscow has been targeting the country's electric grid since October, causing blackouts and cutting off power and heat as temperatures drop. Russia claims the attacks don't target civilians, but are aimed at reducing Ukraine's ability to fight. Hawaii residents are flocking to the world's largest active volcano to catch a glimpse and a few photos of an ongoing eruption. Scary thing is, is lava flows from Mauna Loa can reach any side of the island, and she is a massive volcano. Um, but it's a humbling experience to get to see once in a lifetime potentially opportunity.
Emergency officials say there are no signs the lava flow will reach populated areas. But a key highway might get cut off on Hawaii's Big Island. They also say there's no way to predict when the volcano's first eruption since 1984 might come to an end. Coming up, what is that? An eye-catching fireball streaking across the sky. The various sightings caught on camera. An insight from the experts. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, as the holidays get closer, you may need to stock up on batteries. But are you getting tired of buying disposable batteries? If you make the switch to rechargeables, you could save money. We check them out. I'll have that story. That's just ahead. Such a fun night already here at the Pride of Canada Carousel in Markham. We have Pecky and we have Leonard from the Salvation Army in Markham. And we have Aaron from the Trillium Limes. You brought bags of toys tonight. Yes, bags and bags of toys. Our Lions Club held a bit of a toy drive. We ended up getting over 100 toys. Also, I want to give a quick uh, shout out to All Saints Montessori School. They couldn't make it tonight, but they actually gathered over 50 toys and I grabbed them and I brought it out here. So lots and lots of toys. We are building a mountain of toys and there are ways you can help as well. Head to our website, toymountain.ca, click on Toronto and you'll find ways that you can help us build a mountain of toys. We have a full look at your weekend weather forecast coming up here live from Markham and stay with us. We have another night of great shows for you tonight right here on CTV. You no doubt have them around the house to power up your TV remote, your toys, or even a flashlight during a storm. Batteries. Yeah, many people use single-use batteries, but they can be expensive and bad for the environment. So is it time to make the switch to rechargeables? Here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. Buying rechargeable batteries in a charger will cost you more up front, but over time, you'll save a lot of money. Some batteries can be recharged 500 to 1,000 times, and using them can keep a lot of single-use batteries out of landfill sites. Megan Patterson and her family have been using rechargeable batteries for about eight years now. I worry a lot about our environmental impact when it comes to things like batteries. Both rechargeable and single-use batteries contain toxic chemicals and heavy metals that can pollute the environment. They both also require water and energy in the manufacturing process and release greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. A recent study found rechargeable batteries are more sustainable than disposables after they've been used at least 50 times, something that shouldn't be a problem for many families. With kids' toys, we go through batteries all the time. Now I don't feel guilty about it. Consumer Reports says toys and wireless mice are a great place to use rechargeables since they usually draw a lot of power over a short period of time. You know, you buy them once and you can recharge them around a thousand or so times. Just make sure you also buy a charger that can accommodate all the different sizes you'll be using. As for single-use batteries, they hold a charge longer and are best for things like smoke detectors and emergency tools like flashlights. That's what they're designed to have a slow discharge for those types of items where you kind of need them on the ready. Although in Megan's house, toys may also fall into that category. Rechargeables can help keep your children entertained with devices that run longer. And every battery, whether it's single-use or rechargeable, has a lifespan and should be disposed of properly. Don't throw them in the garbage. Most municipalities and some stores have easy-to-use recycling programs. On your side, 
I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. It's a relatively mild Friday night. Pretty good conditions for be, to be at the Pride of Canada Carousel in Markham. Yeah, it's great to also help give a kid a Christmas. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Nathan and Michelle. Yeah, it's a wonderful night here. So many donations are pouring in, so we're going to get right to it. We have lots of people to talk to. Check out this beautiful truck here for just a moment. Uh, responsible for this, we have Danny and we have Lori. Uh, tell me a little bit, Lori, about why this truck is here and what it means. Well, Dad has this fire truck, and we love to drive around town and promote a wonderful community service. And this year and previous years, we like to fill up the fire truck as much as we can with as many toys as we can. So last year, the community was amazing. We collected over 1,200 toys. So this year, we're hoping to exceed that amount. Maybe a little more. Yeah, yeah. we try more. Maybe of course, more. of course. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. FDM Contracting here. That's wonderful. I have another group that I want to introduce you to over here. Look at this fantastic group of individuals. Alicia, is that right? Where are you joining us from? We're from Unionville College, and we've been um, donating to Toy Mountain for many years now. And you came with some donations tonight. We've been donating for many years, like I said, and we believe in helping as many children as possible. You're doing exactly that. Hold up all your toys that you brought tonight and look at this. A check for $1,000. Yay! You know what I really love? Kids helping kids. And that's exactly what's happening here tonight in Markham. We have more kids to introduce you to coming up, but we also have to talk about donations, where you can donate, and also the fact that you can send your photos of you making donations to us. We would love to see that at toy.mountain at bellmedia.ca. We'll show them on our newscast early next week. Let's get to the weather forecast. We're going to begin by letting you know that the weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Windy weather in store for tomorrow. There is a widespread wind warning. In effect, this was just expanded by Environment Canada. Warning of gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. A little snapshot of what those winds are going to look like tomorrow. Here's how it happens. We get strong gusts ahead of the cold front and we get strong gusts behind it. When that happens too, our precipitation type is going to change as well. Here's how it works out. So late tonight, another round of showers. We get into some steadier rain for tomorrow morning. Then the cooler air filters in. Lake effect snow is going to be possible once again. We dry out for the most part late day Sunday, uh, pardon me, late day Saturday and into the day on Sunday where we will return to some sunshine. Overnight tonight, the low will be uh, holding steady at about six degrees. Looking into tomorrow, it is going to be mild in the morning at nine degrees, but look what happens. We drop to an afternoon temperature of one, that's it, and then an overnight low of minus four. Seven day forecast looks like this. Sunday, pleasant but chilly. Night showers possible Monday, and then into the day on Tuesday, we have more wet weather in the forecast. We are live tonight here in Markham. I've got a hockey team here. Where? What, what's your team name? Uh, Markham M. Markham Waxers MD2. Okay, and you you brought some toys tonight. Everyone, show them up. This is amazing. I'm telling you, Nathan and Michelle, it's all about kids helping kids. We tonight are building a toy. Mountain. Let's try that again. A toy. Mountain. That was a little bit better. I'll send it back inside to you. Way to go, guys. Congrats. Much better. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, less than two weeks after a bright fireball lit up the skies over the Great Lakes, there's been another out-of-this-world sighting. The CTV's Sanjay Maru reports this latest could be one for the record books. 
It wasn't scary. It was more mesmerizing. Some 24 hours later, Bessem Mazloom isn't sure exactly what he saw while driving to his parents' home in Windsor Thursday evening. A mix of colors taking its time through the sky. Not like a falling star that was really slow and really big or a meteor, which is something I thought I would never ever see. It was indeed a fireball meteor, one of more than 450 sightings reported to the American Meteor Society this year. But officials say this one was unique, on track to be the most reported sighting of 2022, thanks to its shallow angle, putting it on a longer track across the sky. But it also came at an, you know the perfect time of night when a lot of people were outside and the skies were clear. I'm in Maryland. A lot of people actually saw it here as well. Um, people in Kentucky saw it. You know, you're all the way in Ontario, another country, you saw it. He says fireball meteors get their name from their size. The larger the fragment, the brighter the meteor. But Hanke adds while Thursday's meteor likely started about one meter in size, it was likely the size of a raisin or grape if it hit Earth. It's not the type of thing that creates a crater on the ground or starts a fire or is even hot or glowing on the ground. As a space nerd like myself, I was speechless. Emily Roback took to social media to express her excitement after seeing her first meteor. She says her closest experience to what she saw Thursday was seeing videos of shooting stars as a child. I was just pretty excited. I felt like a little kid again. Sanjay Maru, CTV News. Also tonight, candid insight from a woman who's been living with dementia for 15 years. Her one request for those looking to help as we mark Women's Brain Health Day. The absolute final deadline in the Princess Margaret home lottery is midnight tonight. You can win one big prize after another, including the $7.2 million grand prize featuring a fully furnished and decorated show home in Oakville, a Jaguar I-Pace, a family vacation to Hawaii, plus $1 million in cash, a stunning $2.3 million grand prize in Perry Sound and in Prince Edward County, both awarded with $100,000 cash. Add on to win a big cash prize with the 50-50 jackpot. The big cash jackpot is over $8 million. The winner takes half. Plus, your ticket is good for over 25,000 prizes valued at more than $20 million. Every ticket helps fund cancer research at the Princess Margaret, one of the top five cancer research centers in the world. Buy now before it's too late at princessmargaretlotto.com. It may seem like the right thing to do, providing as much help as you can to someone you know who has dementia. But we speak with one woman who says helping can sometimes cause more harm than good. Our health reporter Pauline Chan has more on the unusual plea. Phyllis Fair is lively and chatty as she shares her story on Women's Brain Health Day. But she's been living with dementia for 15 years now. Not my head done charting for nursing for 25 years and it concerned me and then I started to see other little things like not remembering appointments. The former ICU nurse and mother of nine says she's deeply grateful for all the support she's had from her family and friends but if there's one request she could make on behalf of Canadians with dementia it's this. Family wanting to be kind and helpful will take over for us. And that's one of the worst things you can do because I need to stay active, I need to use my brain, and if you take all that stuff away from me, then I can't. Fair was just 48 when she was diagnosed, and her mother and grandmother had been isolated and shut in when they were diagnosed, so she's fighting to reduce the stigma around dementia. 
This event, with keynote speaker Mary Walsh and hosts Anne-Marie Medawake and Patricia Lovett-Reed, was for raising awareness and research funds. And it's all about raising awareness for the fact that women are more susceptible to brain aging diseases like Alzheimer's, stress, depression, anxiety. Women suffer from twice as much as men from these disorders, but research still primarily focuses on men. This Women's Brain Health Day also marks the launch of a new free app called BrainFit. So these are the habits that I've chosen. And it's all about the six pillars of brain health, which are the lifestyle choices that we know cumulatively give people the best protective effect against cognitive decline and diseases like dementia. Mental stimulation, exercise, social activity, stress reduction, sleep and nutrition are the six pillars that BrainFit aims to develop in everyone. Pauline Chan, CTV News. The Ford government is expanding an initiative to support emergency rooms in less populated parts of the province. It's called the Emergency Department Peer-to-Peer -peer Program. It gives ER staff in rural and remote areas 24-7 access to virtual support and coaching from experienced emergency doctors elsewhere in Ontario. The number of participating hospitals will grow from 6 to 27 this month. The Ministry of Health says... The PEER program will help more patients receive care in their own communities as part of its plan to keep hospitals open. In Germany, health officials are warning of extreme pressure on pediatric intensive care units. Like many other countries, Germany is facing rising cases of RSV and other respiratory viruses that are hitting children especially hard. Doctors are warning some young patients aren't getting the care they need because the system is already at its limits. Medical experts suggest the problem could get worse in the coming days and weeks. And Japan reported the world's highest number of COVID-19 cases for the fourth week in a row, according to local media and figures from the World Health Organization. Those figures show an increase of nearly 700,000 cases in late November. The Japanese government is reporting well over 100,000 new infections each day. This comes as the WHO says the emergency phase of the pandemic is not over yet. Kanye West has been kicked off Twitter, accused of inciting violence over offensive tweets. The rapper, who now goes by the name Ye, posted a series of erratic tweets yesterday. One appeared to show a symbol combining a swastika and a star of David. Twitter CEO Elon Musk tweeted that he tried to warn West, but despite that, he again violated the rule against incitement to violence. Kanye West is also facing widespread condemnation after praising Hitler in an interview yesterday with conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Elton John's been announced as the headliner of a major UK music festival as his farewell tour comes to an end. The music legend played his last North American tour stop at LA's Dodger Stadium last month. Organizers of the Glastonbury Music Festival say he'll headline the Sunday show there next June for his last UK stop. Elton John still has shows scheduled in Europe, Australia and New Zealand in July, but he has said this will be his last tour ever. One of the members of K-pop superstar BTS is out with a new solo album. 
RM is considered the leader of BTS. His album, In The Go, released today along with a music video for the track Wildflower. RM is the second member of the band to release a solo album this year. It's expected the rest of BTS will roll out their own solo projects as the group takes a hiatus and members carry out their military service in South Korea. Mervish Productions shared a sneak peek at a new production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, hitting the stage this month. That is Olivier Award winner Jack Giro as Joseph, joined by cast members at rehearsal today. The Andrew Lloyd Webber musical is a classic, but Mervish says the show's been reimagined for this new production straight from London. It opens at the Princess of Wales Theatre December 11th. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, the final day of group play at the World Cup in Qatar, marked by a dramatic win as Canada heads home looking ahead to 2026. Updating our top stories, students with York Memorial stage a class walkout over weeks of escalating school violence and allegations of racism. The TDSB says it's looking into the issues. I felt shocked. Reaction tonight from families after reports of a man at a Scarborough school hitting a six-year-old child on the playground. Police say the suspect is still on the loose. Is the province really going to do something good? Or is this just really a land grab? And GTA counselors raise concerns over the future of Greenbelt land earmarked for a hospital. Officials worry the parcel could come with strings attached in the form of a residential development. We turn to a developing story in Mississauga. Emergency crews are on the scene of an industrial accident at a construction site. CTV's Andrew Brennan is there and joins us live. Andrew. Well, Nathan, Michelle, we're at here, Ontario, where it, uh, it meets with Burnham Thorpe and what police have told us, and they're doing the crowd control aspect here. You can see behind me there's several pumper trucks here from the fire services. Now, what we're told is that there were several workers that were working on some of the water main replacement that's going on here, and according to police, one of the pipes ruptured around 3.30 p.m., and what we're told right now is that there's still one worker unaccounted for. It remains to be seen if they were down in the tunnel or where else they could be, but we are told they are definitively unaccounted for at this time. Now, we did see when we arrived about half an hour ago, there was a huge scene going, uh, closing the traffic, not only a block north, but east, west, and south as well. And as I've been here, we've seen more services from the fire department arriving, including the rehab unit. Now, we're told we'll be getting an update from the platoon chief in not too long, and we will have updates as they come in and tonight on CTV News at 11.30. We'll send it back to you for now, and we'll have details when we get them. Andrew Brennan reporting live in Mississauga tonight. Thank you. U.S. President Joe Biden today signed legislation preventing a national rail strike. He said it was a difficult but necessary step to take. It was the right thing to do at the moment, to save jobs, to protect millions of working families from harm and disruption, and to keep supply chains stable around the holidays. 
Biden had said critical rail shipments would have stopped moving this weekend if a strike wasn't averted. He's faced criticism from rail unions for forcing a new contract, but says efforts to improve sick leave for workers will continue. There's a mix of good and bad news tonight when it comes to auto sales levels in Canada this year. A new report from DeRosier Automotive Consultants says light vehicle sales in November were up more than 4% compared to last year. The firm estimates about 115,000 vehicles were sold, but that's still well below pre-pandemic levels. In fact, managing partner Andrew King says it's likely auto sales in Canada will total below 1.5 million this year. And that hasn't happened since 2009. While some reports indicate the situation is improving, the auto sector has been hit hard by supply chain issues this year. Some changes are on the way for GO train schedules. Starting on Monday, Metrolink says it's bringing back more express trip options on the Lakeshore West and Kitchener lines. That'll mean some specific trains will have different departure times and will skip certain stops. There will be some slight changes to departure times on the Stouffville and Milton lines as well. Full details are available at GoTransit.com. Canada tonight still stinging from its exit at the World Cup. The tournament is entering a new round without the Canadian squad. CTV's Heather Wright has more from Doha on their journey and their next steps. Son's still going. Support arriving. Oh, they've scored! The final day of group play here at the World Cup and drama really going down to the very last minute with South Korea beating Portugal. Now, both of those teams will advance to the round of 16, but South Korea's win means that Uruguay is out despite their win over Ghana. So lots of drama as the group stage winds down here in Qatar. Canada finish with a performance to be proud of, but their World Cup journey comes to an end without being able to get a point. Canada and Qatar, the only two nations to go home with no points at this tournament. Certainly disappointing in one sense for Team Canada, but the team also is going home with a great deal of experience as they look ahead to 2026. We have that potential and it's just about, it's just about getting that out of the group for a consistent period and with the experiences we face in this World Cup, we can only make us better. We competed in every match here. You know, it's the first time we've been here since 36 years. There's a qualitative gap at all levels, and we're trying to close that. That's what we'll be doing, and that's where we'll go. We'll keep learning as an organization, as a coach, and as a player group, and we'll be back stronger. And so the round of 16 begins tomorrow with the United States taking on Netherlands, Argentina taking on Australia. Heather Wright, CTV News, Doha. Just ahead, he's a busy man this time of year, but he spared a few moments for us today. We catch up with the man in red himself, Santa, as a holiday tradition hits the airwaves this weekend. Tonight, we take a closer look at Canadian technology changing lives. Families are reporting all sorts of benefits. Robotic walkers and a remarkable mission for better mobility one step at a time. Later on CTV National News. 
Toronto is one of the most vibrant, diverse, and interesting cities on the planet. We're a world leader in many areas like business, finance, technology, entertainment, and culture. Each week, Things to Know TO shines a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA that are working to make our city even greater. And one of the world's best places to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. The 118th original Santa Claus Parade airs tomorrow. And while everyone will be waiting to see St. Nick himself, he says there'll be a lot of festive joy to go around. When you look at the parade tomorrow, look at, you'll see all these wonderful 27 floats, the bands and the you know, ballet is there. You'll see all kinds of interesting floats. And most importantly, you're going to see the goodwill of all the people on the street. And remember, the most important gift you can give is being compassionate and kind to somebody else. That's for sure. Many GTA residents came out last month to attend the parade in person. Tomorrow's a chance for anyone who didn't attend and families right across the country to get in on the fun. And you can tune in for all the Christmas magic from the Santa Claus Parade right here on CTV tomorrow night at 7 p.m. CTV's Melissa Grello, Tyrone Edwards, and Kelsey McEwen are hosting. All right, looks good. Let's check in with Lindsay Morrison again for one more look at what's happening in Markham as they get ready for Christmas in Toy Mountain. Absolutely, and Nathan and Michelle, we're in for a little bit of a treat, but first I want to introduce you to these children from the Unionville College Choir. They're helping us build a toy... Mountain! Wonderful. More on these young, fabulous people in just a moment, but first, here's Jonathan from Engage People. You've brought a donation with you tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. So at Engage, we believe in helping the community where we work and, and live. And so our team, along with our partners and suppliers, donated some toys and hopefully, you know, along with the work that the Salvation Army does and Toy Mountain, we were able to bring some joy into some children's lives this holiday season. Thank you so much for this. About 3,000 toys. That is absolutely amazing. There are ways you can help us build a mountain of toys. Head to our website, toymountain.ca. Click on Toronto. You'll find locations where you can drop off new unwrapped toys. You can also find a link if you'd like to make a donation financially to help out. Here's one more look at our seven-day forecast. It's going to be a little bit of a wild start to the weekend, but Sunday brings us plenty of sunshine, and we're in for a mix of sun and cloud as we make our way into the day on Monday. Day. All right, it's that time. We're going to take it away. Let's hear it from the Unionville College Choir. Oh, I want to hear more. We're out of time, folks. Thank you so much to everyone who turned out another heartwarming haul. Okay, we'll just get through this part. Make sure you join Heather Butts tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman. She has her next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CB24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here, thank you for watching. Have a great night. Take it away.